So before we get into our lesson, if you have your book, I want you to go to page number seven. This part really grabbed my attention, and you may have missed not only this page, but you might have missed the idea about this book. Do you see the second paragraph uh, labeled every day? Tell me when you see it. Say, I've got it. Tell me, I, tell me I, I can't find it. I've got the wrong book. Anybody? You all have it? Okay. If your neighbor doesn't have it, show your neighbor. Help somebody out. All right, this is what Sister Shock wrote. If every Christian, every member of every church, everyone who claimed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ would spend time, somebody say time, with him in prayer and in the word on a consistent basis every single day, so much would change. Every individual become like a strong and immovable tree. The atmosphere of every home would become God-centered. The strife and conflict between family members would settle into a biblical pattern of divine order, honor, and respect. The church would be filled with strong Christians, full of the word and prayer, who walk in the realm of the spirit we so intensely desire. The key to obtaining that level of life is every day. Say every day. Now that is the, maybe the key part of this book you have in front of you. If you understand that, you understand the book. So before we even start our part, go to the page that begins, Why Pray? And that is page number 41, or actually 41, right. Now what I'm going to talk today on pages 41 and 42. All of my commentary is going to be guided by those blanks, and that, and that, that um, will be the, actually my guidelines, as it were, for this evening. What you have in your hand is an ability to do something to connect with this topic Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, until we have another topic on Wednesday night. If you look and see, there's a whole page here of a story about, about the concept of praying consistently. There, the next page is altars and offerings. The next top of the page shows around the table. There's some ideas to talk about prayer around the table. It's something, what is the phrase again? Every day. Then there's a section there for a kid's corner to involve children. There's a section here called teen talk to involve teens. There's a think on these things section, and it has some directions for you. You see the uh, passage, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. You see that down the middle? Are you with me? Everybody here still with me? Okay. You can look that up in a strong concordance, or if you don't have a strong concordance, go to blue letterbible.org. Do you need to write that down? Blueletterbible.org. Anybody? Are you all aware of that? Or would you like, did you not, or are you not aware of that? Go to blueletterbible.org. I used to have 20 pound strong concordances. I had two of them. I haven't used them since blueletterbible.org came online <laughs> because I can just go there and type in the word and I can find all that I want to know. I type in the verse. I can find all the, either the Greek or Hebrew words that show me the background for them. Here's some testimonies, more than a story, more of the story, brother. The next page is love thy neighbor. Here's an idea for taking prayer, this concept. See how, this, how beautiful this is? It's taking the concept, the conversation, like Pastor just said, from the consuming level to now the action level. This is the ideas for how we can minister in prayer, do things in prayer. Then there's the word in word or deed. There's some directions there and ideas how to uh, take on that part. Then there's dig deeper. There's nine books that she suggested that you can read about prayer. Then we have Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. She's got have a little talk with Jesus there from 1937 and the suggestion of six other songs down below that. Now, this section, because the book was printed for a congregation that did this Sunday through Sunday, 
It may seem confusing to you. It's not. Just flip past Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and tomorrow, start on Thursday. You see Thursday? This is for journaling. It's really simple. Men, look at me and think about this. I, I don't like my handwriting very much. I don't know what I was doing during cursive. I don't know if I missed that class. But I, I, can, I can write, and I can read my own writing. Now, other people need, like, an advanced course to do that. But I can read it. So, and I don't like to write a whole lot, but I can do this. I can read that passage. I can pray. And whatever the Lord tells me, whatever I feel, whatever thing that I think God is speaking about, I can write it. You don't have to fill up the entire passage, but if you do, that's wonderful. It's up to you how much time you have to write. You can do that in five minutes. Journaling is a powerful thing because you can look back and see what you wrote Thursday when you're on Friday. Say, oh, look what God told me. I forgot about that. Thursday was a horrible day after I had my prayer time. I forgot all the Lord told me, and now I'm remembering it again when I see it. Friday, you do that again. Saturday, you do that again. Sunday as well. When you get to Monday, go back in your book to Monday and start back over again. You can journal with this book and have an actual putting in practice the concepts we're talking about. Isn't that exciting? It's awesome. It really is. And, and you may say, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of every day. Here, here's the point. What is the worth of this lesson or any teaching over this pulpit or any preaching that anyone does, pastor or anyone else, if it goes here and then dies? It's as though we leave God in the building. I love you, God. We'll see you Wednesday. And God's here in the dark. And that's not true. And neither is the word true. Now, I have often thought to myself, I, I love the Lord, I read his word every morning, but then my Bible stays there. Uh, it just stays on my little circular thing when I read. I don't carry it with me because, uh, you know, I'm working and doing all day long. But I thought, often thought about it. I think, Pastor, you talked about this, or maybe mentioned at some point, about speaking the word in your life throughout the day or remembering some phrase or saying something, that's a way for me to take the word with me into life. From out of here into life. Even a phrase. It's a powerful thing. I know I've taken some time, but this is important because this is not about me giving a presentation and you saying, oh, I like that or that was unusual or whatever. I didn't like it. This is about getting the message of the word and putting it into life. Here's the truth. You may not like it, but here's the truth. I found this out in my life. Real change in your life happens when something is changed every day. Real change happens in your life when something is changed every day. I have worked out three times in one week. It's been about nine months ago. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Grant. I appreciate that. But here's the problem. <laughs> Grant wants me to work out. He's concerned about me. He doesn't want me to gain weight. That's what his thing. That's, this is a, that's an encouragement right there. But the problem is I've not gone back. I've not been back there since. Now, it's in my mind, and I need to go back there because I'm paying them 30 bucks. I'm going to get over there. I always say that, but I haven't gone back there yet. You see how that's not very helpful to me? This church can be filled with the words of God, golden words for your life, and really have no benefit to you. If there is no every day, if there's no every day with the word or prayer, then you're missing so much. Oh God, I feel it, feel this in my heart. I know I've got a great message to talk about. I want to teach it. But if you don't get this part, then why would I tell it and us just let it lay down? Jesus, if we could put on paper all of your words and actions, the things you've heard, the places you go, what you have seen, all in a week, all of your behaviors, every day, what you, what you do, we would know exactly who you are. If you want God's word and prayer to be part of the fabric of your life, then this must be a daily act. All right. Now, here's the verse. You got it at the top. You probably can memorize it. If you haven't memorized it, you should memorize it. Okay? If you don't, you can read it. Luke 6, 48. He is like a man which built an house. 
and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. There's something beneath this. There's something under this. You ever thought about that? I can't see it. Foundations are largely invisible, but there's something under this. You ever met someone and thought to yourself, ooh, they've got to walk with God. Something about them. They know the Lord. Oh, that prayer. Oh, something. That was beautiful. I don't know what's going on with their life. What is that? There's a foundation that's largely invisible to your eye that they have. What is that foundation? It's time in the Word and time in prayer. You can't see it. You weren't there this morning when I was praying and reading my Word. And it may, I don't know how much time I spent. I was rushed this morning. I felt like it wasn't very long. You can't see that. But it will show up for better or for worse in time. Foundational things, or lack thereof, will show up for better or for worse in time. Have you ever been around a family and thought, man, I love this family. Oh, this family is great. There's something foundational you're not seeing. You ever had a meal and thought, ooh, this meal is amazing. I love this meal. There's somebody prepared stuff when you weren't around. Someone made plans when you weren't there. Someone went and got spices when you weren't even visiting. You had no idea all they've done. There is something beneath this. That's what that verse is saying. All right? Wow. Now listen to this. I I love this imaginative uh, story. He didn't know how long he'd been asleep when another wave of cold water abruptly woke him. At first he panicked, not realizing where he was or how he arrived there. However, slowly returned to him, and darkness became familiar again. The next few days passed interminably as the beast swam through the depths of the sea. The man was racked with hunger and thirst, unable to move in the confines of the beast's belly. He constantly cried out in pain. Cramps seized the muscles in his back and legs as the interior walls of the creature's stomach pressed against him. The agony became so severe, he would pray for death, but death would not find him. Eventually, he would be overcome with exhaustion, would pass out. The relief wouldn't last long. However, as another blast of frigid, salty water poured over him, he could feel the beating of a floundering fish against his neck. And the unbearable stench of seaweed and partially digested sea animals crept into his nostrils. This this and the tossing motion of the beast as it writhed through the vast waters gave the man cause for a great illness in his stomach. The nausea was a constant companion. As the hours passed, he was dumbfounded that he remained alive in this place of torment. With every opening of the beast's mouth, he was pushed further into the beast's belly, and yet he did not die. The sea would begin to wrap itself around him, and tiny creatures crawled and clung to his body. How long could he survive like this? Finally, he realized that in all his despair and grief, there was something he had not yet done, something he should have done from the outset of his trouble. He chastised himself for forgetting it. He should have known that God would not be ignored. He would not be rejected without a fight. The futility of his flight from God's path for him was now evident. Humility overcame him. Jonah wept as he cried out to the Lord in prayer. Wow. Mm. Everything good, everything good you want from God and that you admire in others is available to you in the word or in prayer. Let me say it a different way. Everything God wants you to have and to be is just beyond the open door of time with him and prayer in the word. That's something you can, go to the, you can go to the bank on because the Bible backs that up. Everything he wants you to have and to be is available to you in prayer. So what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is us talking to God. His word is him talking to us. David said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks or the deer, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Did you know the soul is the seat of emotions and passions? It's not the mind. I believe in every person, their soul is hungry for God. Every person. They don't know where to find 
that thirst. They got to find something to satisfy, but they can't get there without going to the Lord. The things of this world don't satisfy that. Jeremiah said, call unto me, the Lord told him, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Matthew says, in all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So how do you get there? How do you start? That's a great question. There are three things you should write down your paper. Decision is the first one. You must decide to decide. You must make up your mind, I am going to. That's a decision. You can pray for anything. Did you know that? The disciples prayed, teach us to pray. You can pray for your prayer. Yeah, the man, the sick child said, help thou my unbelief. The psalmist said, open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. You can pray for your prayer. You can say, Lord, I don't know how to start. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure what to do. You can pray for that and say, God, help me. I know you want me to pray. Help me to start. Beginning is this decision. The second one is discipline. Discipline is a daily or consistent behavior. You make up your mind to do. It's not activities, but a consistent, intentional act, action on the basis of what we know to be true. I know he said, call upon him, and he will answer. I know he said for us to seek him, and he would, he would hear me. So because of that, I'm going to make this a discipline in my life. And the last is the delight. Often, it should go from a decision to a discipline and becomes a delight. It goes that way. Sometimes, unfortunately, in my life and others, we have forgotten the discipline. We've got to go back again and start a decision again. It becomes a discipline, and then we'll have a delight. I cannot always count on it being a delight. Sometimes my prayers are not a delight. I'm struggling. It's not the Lord, it's me. Or I'm just having a hard time. Or I'm fighting through something. But because I have a discipline of prayer, I end up having some delight of prayer. Isn't that wonderful? It's an amazing thing. It's, it, it is simple, the, con- the concept, but you've got to put it to work in life. I've got to decide. I will be a person of prayer. I will talk to the Lord. I want to walk through this open door. I've, I, there's so many stories of people who've made up their mind. I'm going to pray, and that moment changed their life. So when should you start? Right now. Don't look back. Don't think about others and be discouraged. Begin with a little and add to it. Read the Psalms, for example. Personalize them. Put them in your, ver- your mouth. If you have your Bibles or you have a Bible place you can write this down, write down Psalms 116 verses 1 through 4. That's a perfect passage that I have prayed and personalized because it's exactly the concept of where we're at, what we need, and what we should do with that. I love the Lord, Psalms 116 verse 1 says. Because he had heard my voice and my begging, my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear to me. Therefore, while I call upon him as long as I live, the psalmist says, the sorrows of death compassed me. The pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. When I read that, I always think to myself, why were you looking for trouble and sorrow? Maybe it's not that way. Have you ever found trouble and sorrow and wish you hadn't found it? You ever found trouble and sorrow in your life? Some days you just, oh, I found trouble and sorrow. So what is a righteous man, what is a righteous woman of God supposed to do with that? When you find trouble and sorrow and you say, where did this come from? I didn't mean to have trouble and sorrow. This is what what the word says. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Now, it's very important to know that the word and prayer go together. You cannot have one with the other. The word without prayer is learning about God or hearing him talk to us with no response from us. This can quickly become only logic or thinking and the need to constantly know more and more and more without taking any action. That is most of the American church. That's most people. I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. That's mostly just reading the Word of God and studying. But prayer without the Word is called praying a mess or missing the mark or praying in the wrong direction. It doesn't have effect. It's not hearing what God wants us to say and only telling Him what we want to hear. 
This can become only emotional or spiritualism and easily veers away from the word and away from sound truth. So we need both of those. Amen? We gotta have the prayer and gotta have the word. That's why it's powerful to pray the word. You know you're praying the right thing if you're praying the word. You know you're on the right path if you're praying the word. Great people of God have lost what they once had because they've stopped praying with the word. They've veered off into emotionalism or some kind of spiritualism and lost the, the rudder of the word. And many have dried up because all they do is study the word. There's no real prayer in their life. Number two, we pray because we are, because it is commanded. First Timothy says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of things he made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life and all goodliness, godliness and honesty. So I told my mother yesterday, I said, Mom, I know, I know this is um, kind of a burr in her for me to do it, so I'm being a, kind of a bad son, but I, I love uh, provoking her a little bit. I said, Mom, you know what the Bible says? Got to pray for the kings and all those in authority. So have you prayed for your president today? She said, oh, that, oh, that man, I don't know. Oh, God, oh. I don't know, he's not my president. Yes, he is, Mom. Oh, okay, I don't know. Oh, you got, the Bible says you got to pray for him, Mom. Oh, I, oh, Jesus, help him, Jesus, I don't know. She struggles. She struggles. It's like, I, I knew that. I know that's how she feels, and I would be provoking her. But the Bible says to pray for them. And here's the, here's the reason. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know what? The truth of the matter is, if the church of the living God would spend just a portion of the time that we spend talking badly about authority or frustrated with authority or reading about authority or listening to authority, just that little part of that time at least praying for that authority. What a difference that would make in our lives, make in, in, in the whole kingdom of God. Instead of having a mouthful of ugliness and frustration about things I can't even control, I would be able to say, God, you're powerful. I pray for my governor. I pray for my president. I pray for those in authority that you would lead them in godliness. That you would give us a peaceable life. Help us, Lord, to have the freedom, continue the freedoms to worship you and to pray and to meet. Those are things I can do something about. That's within my sphere of influence. Amen? Isn't that true? That we, if we would spend more time on that, then complaining, I, I know it's the easiest thing in our life to complain about people, to talk about frustration about people. What if we took, took that away and said, you know what, I'm going to spend that time talking to God about them and praying for them. That actually can change things. Amen. Colossians says, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men. Colossians 1 verses 9 through 10. To see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Wow. Psalmist 14, verse 2. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. How many of you will respond to that message today? How many of you respond to that message in Psalm 14 and 2? If the Lord says to you, seek my face, will you say to the Lord, no? Will you say to the Lord, I don't have time for that? I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind of a Christian. I, I don't really know what to do. Others will do it better than me. Do you ever have that thought? If everybody here is asked to pray for a need, and pastor says we should pray for someone because they're sick, do you ever have a thought in your mind, Lord, you know, those people up at the front, they're praying, and they know you better than I, than I know you, or they're better than praying than I'm better than praying. I, I don't know what, I, what to say, Lord. They're saying stuff. You know, that's a lie of the enemy. God needs you to pray. God says, I want you to seek my face. God's asking you to seek his face. What will you do with that? Listen to this in Isaiah 31. This is what, this is what the prophet said. Samuel said this. Moreover, Isaiah 31 and 1, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good in the right way. Samuel felt it was a sin to stop praying for people. Samuel said it was a sin to stop praying for people. Wow, I'm telling you what, the word of God is so powerful. Listen to this in Isaiah 31. 
It's, a, it's an amazing passage. What does the Lord say? 31 and 1. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they're very strong, but they look not to the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. I wonder if the Lord is speaking over your life and my life today saying, woe to you. You seek everybody else's help. You look everywhere else. You Google it first. You go there first. You talk to them first. You try to find it on that, on that media. You try to find it in that book. Woe to you because you go there first and you don't go to me first. Prayer cannot solve everything. It cannot. But everything starts with prayer. You cannot pray enough for your lawn to be mowed. You cannot. You have to at some point get up and go move along. You cannot pray enough for a job and not go call any employers and not go knock on doors. I'm telling you, that, that may be, sound ridiculous, but I know that way of falling into praying too much and not taking any action because that is a way the church can easily go. Oh, we're just going to pray for them to be saved. Have you talked to them? Well, no, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to really pray and fast for them to be saved. It's so much easier to do that then to obey God sometimes and go talk to them. This is called putting my legs on my prayer. Putting legs on my prayer. I, I, I can tell you, we can pray for all kinds of stuff. What if God says, I want you to go do something about it? Well, Lord, I'm not sure about that. I'll, I'll at least pray about it. You see how that's wrong? We've got, we've got to act in our prayer. It's the, prayer does not solve everything. Prayer is the place to start everything. We start here. I've often said this because it's just, it's the way my mind works, but prayer in itself is not powerful. If that was true, all the Buddhists that pray, all the Islamic people that pray, all the Catholic folks that pray, all that prayer would be powerful. It's not powerful. You know why? Because it matters who you're praying to. Because can that God heal and deliver does that God say, seek my face and I'm going to respond to you? Does that God say, call upon me and I'll answer you? No, but our God does. Our God says, I've got an open door for you. Anybody in this church from day one to day 10,000 that you've been serving the Lord, whether you think of your high or whether you're low, whether you sit in the back or in the front, whether you have a great ability to speak or you can't talk at all, everybody has an open door of prayer. There is no class 400 for prayer that you've got to pass classes 100, 200, and 300 to get there. There are no, there are no fees to pay for prayer. Wow. I, I, I want you to understand this is a powerful thing. We pray, number three, because Jesus instructed and exampled it. If you look at the life of Jesus, you're going to see some things. Jesus prayed. Jesus talked about prayer. Jesus exampled prayer. In one way, you can say Jesus didn't need to pray. He was God in the flesh. And the other way, he was all man at the same time. Jesus did get hungry. He did get tired. He did have to rest. He did have to spend time with people. But when he did it, he did it in prayer. Jesus said, but when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you've shut that door, pray to your Father which is in secret. And thy father, which he hath in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Let me help you before you get off on the wrong path. We'll find Acts when they prayed together. And they all lifted their voice and prayed loudly together. Jesus is not saying the only prayer you should pray is in private where no one can hear you. It's the attitude of prayer. What he's talking about is a contrasting comparison. The Pharisees like to give so people see them. You give in secret so your father which sees in secret will reward you openly. They're getting their reward. What's the reward? People notice and they get glory from men. You want God to notice? Don't do it so you'll get glory from men. In the same way prayer. We can pray out loud and we can pray in public but the concept is am I praying to God for him to answer and hear me or for others to hear me and think I'm religious? think I'm some godly person. Do you understand? That's very important. We've got to grasp that. Or, or else we'll think only prayer can happen in closet or in secret or in a quiet place. Mark 11, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you play, pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. 
First John puts a little condition on this. A little condition. And the condition is John said, I've got a secret. The secret is every time I pray, I get what I want. And what, how do you do that, John? Well, because I pray for those things he wants to give me. Those things he wants to do. Because <laughs> I always pray whatever he wants to do already. And then that happens. So make sure you look at that phrase, pray whatever you desire. Well, that's perfect if what you desire is what he desires. But if you desire something he doesn't desire, you will not get that. All right? Everybody good with that? It's, it's important to understand that. We can lose the concept if we're not careful. When he sent the multitudes away, what did Jesus do? He went up into a mountain apart to pray. When evening was come, he was there alone. Jesus prayed, and he often prayed long amounts of time. He prayed at least several times in the Bible we can find all night long. He prayed by himself. He prayed for hours. This is an example for you and for me. Jesus came with him into a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit you there while I go yonder to pray. Now, here's the question. Um, when did Jesus pray? And if we look throughout the Bible, we'll find here's some simple things. When he, went, when he was baptized, before choosing his disciples, before asking, who do you say that I am? On the mountain transfiguration, before teaching his disciples to pray, he prayed for Simon Peter, and he even prayed from the cross. Prayer was a part of the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. He was our example. He instructed us. So with all that praying, isn't it strange that we have very little of the words of Jesus when he prayed, except for John 17 and the Lord's Prayer, or maybe better call the disciples' prayer. We don't have a lot of his praying. I used to think this thought, and I was going to at one point write a book like this, wouldn't it be great to have the prayers of powerful men and women written in a book where you could read their prayers and have their prayers and read them? Wouldn't it be awesome? At least hear them so you could use them when you pray. But you know, it doesn't work like that in any relationship. Can you imagine that with your girl saying, let me hold on a minute, let me get my cards. Hello, you are beautiful tonight. I love, hold on, I love you. It doesn't work like that. You can't borrow someone else's words and then read them. You can't greet a friend and say, hey, how are you doing today? Hold on a minute, give me a paper. Um, what is going on in your life today? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense because it's a relationship. And even if you had all the words of the most prayingest people written out, and you said, wow, this is powerful stuff, none of it is magic words. It doesn't work like that because it's a relationship. Someone say Amen. Amen. But wait a minute. Here's the big question. Here's the, I think this is, a, this, is a, this is a powerful work of the enemy to stop you from praying. But if he knows my heart, right, and he knows my thoughts, and he wants this stuff to happen that you said God has a will and wants things to happen, then why should I pray? Has anyone beside me ever thought that? Come on. Anybody? On, there's not any. If there's a couple people on us, thank you. All right. It, why, why would I pray if the Lord knows my thoughts? Why would I pray if he, if he knows what he wants to do? Let him do what he wants to do. Well, remember this. We are currently behind enemy lines. There is actually a prince of the power of the air. Yeah. And what God wants to happen will not happen in your life if you don't pray it into happening. Remember the prophet prayed and nothing happened. And the angel showed up and said, what you didn't know was going on in the spiritual world was a battle. I was trying to get the answer through to you, but you prayed and fasted and now the answer's come. You are behind enemy lines. You are not praying to convince God. You're not praying to get a reluctant God to wake up, to come to church, to come and help you. To do on your behalf. And this, I want to pick up my mom again. I love my mother so much, I can pick on her because it's true. She often says in church, and this will get my brother really upset if she said it while he was preaching. If there's like a, uh, like a time when it seems awkward in the service or anything, she'll say, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And Jennifer one time was in the house and heard mom praying. 
come on, Jesus, I can't do this alone, Lord, I, I need you. And it was as though, and God love her, my sister says, it's like a mental image of Jesus being drugged into church. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Come on, Jesus. Many people believe they have to pray like that. We've got to convince the Lord. Somebody wake up, Jesus. Somebody get him in here. That's never the fact. If I've got to do certain things for him to love me, then he doesn't love me. Love is without any requirements on my part. He loves me. If I've got to do certain things for him to do, for him to hear my prayer, then there's something wrong with my Lord. And he's not that way. He says, I'm eager to hear your prayer. What is the problem? I am behind enemy lines. I've got to realize that there's a lot riding on my prayer and your prayer. I have got to pray things into existence. I wasn't even aware. I was a child. But in between, after, between Jeffrey and Dana, my mother got pregnant in between those two, but she didn't know it. And it was a church ball game and, and a big old church picnic, and they were out on a hill, kind of like maybe 100 or 200 yards from the church in that direction. And where the sound booth is right now in that church, in that area was a big, large prayer room. You could walk through glass doors into that room from here. But the church was empty. Sunday afternoon, one one thirty in the afternoon, nothing happening. And mom was out there with the ladies and dad was doing stuff and they were fine and we were two little kids. And uh, mom started feeling pain. And then she began to get dizzy. And then she fell over, and they got brought her into church, and later on the on the seats, and they took her to the hospital, and they didn't know what was wrong, and they asked her questions, and Rosalie, what's what's happening? And she would tell them stories. We've been out of town. My husband's not here. He's gone, and he was right outside in the waiting room. They didn't know what the problem was. While that's happening, men and women that I don't really know very well, I couldn't point them out today, left their chicken salad and left their base softball and came into that prayer room and knelt on those chairs and cried out to God for my mom and prayed, prayed and prayed and prayed and wouldn't stop praying. And the doctor said, all we need to do is do exploratory surgery. We're not sure what to do. They opened her up, and she had, what is the phrase, Jenny? Uh, what is it, Jeffrey? The, kind of the pregnancy where it goes in the fallopian tube and this burst. So, and she was going to die. And her life was saved and it had larger to do with those people, those unnamed, faceless people that said, I will stay in here and pray until I hear a word from God, until I hear an answer that Rosie's going to be all right. You and I don't realize it, but like the floor you're putting your feet on right now and the chairs you're resting on, in the same way that there's concrete here, you are literally sitting on prayers of people who prayed for you. There are prayers here in this church that would be here. There are men and women who cried out to God and said, I will not stop until you are saved or your family, your mom and your dad. You don't realize how much prayer foundation is carrying you right now. I, I am here and alive because of prayer. God has kept me. You have to understand, I want you to get a hold of this as though it's something dependent upon your life. You must pray. You must get a hold of it for you and say, I must pray. I must get a hold of God. I must make it a daily act. Not an emotional thing I do and excited about on Sunday that I'm forget about it, it's over. But something I decide for myself, I must get a hold of God. I must pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Listen to this. Ian Bounds said it like this. Ask of me one condition, the one condition God puts in the very advance and triumph of his cause. Ask of me is the phrase he says. The ask of me, that little phrase, ask of me, is the one condition God puts in the very advance and triumph of his cause. What he's saying is, that phrase, ask of me, is the entrance or the invitation to pray. Ask of me, and I will. Ask of me, and I will. Ask of me, and I will respond. Ask of me, and I will I'll move. J.C. Ryle, a call to prayer, said, Praying and sinning will never live together in the same heart. Prayer will consume sin, or sin will choke prayer. If you're struggling right now to follow the Lord, if you're saying, my heart has sin in it, I'm not where I need to be with God, then fill your heart with prayer. Fill your heart with attention on God. Fill your heart with praise. 
come before his presence with thanksgiving. That's how you get there. That's an open door. Come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I try to start every prayer I have with thanksgiving and praise. That is my walkway. That's the gateway from where I am to where he is. Opening those doors with thanksgiving and praise. Be thankful in him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures all generation. If I can open that door, you know what happens when I do that? It doesn't make God feel better about himself. It makes me realize how great he is. It makes him come closer to me. I magnify the Lord and make him bigger in my, in my understanding. Not different than he already is, but closer to me. When I begin to praise him and worship him in my house and just say, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness in my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. It, it makes an atmosphere, a habitat for the Lord that he likes to live in. Amen. Amen. Listen to this right here. I, I, this always has gotten my heart. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Samuel Chadwick. If there's one thing I'd like our church to be known for, of all the great things we do and are known for, we ought to be known for prayer because our, we have a powerful God that can hear our prayers. And I, I love it when I see somebody from far away send a request into our church. Would you pray for us? Why do they do that? Because there's something about their belief and trust that there's someone here that will take the hold of that prayer like it's their own and take it to the Lord. Oh God, oh God, why should we pray? Why should we pray? Paul prayed. Paul prayed all the time. He said, for this cause in Colossians 1, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He says, I'm not stopping to praying for you. I'm going to pray for you. Now, I, I think about this as I wrap up. I think about Paul's request. He said, I want you to pray for us. Would you pray for us? And he gave a prayer request to the church to pray for them. You would think, Paul, of all people, he doesn't need prayer, right? He's doing great things for God. Why would he ask for prayer? But he did pray. And then what Paul prayed for, you would imagine would happen naturally without prayer. Pray for us that the word would spread rapidly, that the word would be glorified, that an entrance would be given to us that we could speak. Now, if anything makes sense in the Bible... It's that God's word would spread rapidly, that God's word would take root, that people would believe the gospel. Why would Paul get a hold of a church body and say, I want you to pray for us for this to happen? Because it's not going to happen unless they prayed. Yeah. You know what um, benefits are all about? You know benefits? Anybody got benefits? Anybody got benefits at work? Anybody wish they had benefits? Anybody need some benefits? Anybody <laughs> need some benefits? Yeah? Say, I need some benefits. Benefits, um, the idea of benefits at work is a, a way to um, take care of, I suppose, your employees if you have the money to do it, or maybe even make them happy to work for you. You know, there's dental and there's vision, there's all kinds of benefits of matching your, your money as if you put it away in a, uh, in a Roth IRA or something like that. All kinds of benefits. There's benefits of having, a, having clothing you can work, wear to work. Or even if you're in a restaurant, you might get the benefits of nobody wanted that chicken sandwich. Oh, I get to eat the chicken sandwich. I'm not saying that where that happens or if that happens. I just know that could happen. Uh, there are benefits. There are benefits. And one of the things you may not realize, and I may not realize, is this. There are benefits in being a part of a church like this that you don't know happened to your life, but it happened because somebody else prayed. Now, that, that's a great thing. I'm not saying it's bad at all. You're in a service. You come in just frustrated and cold and ugh, aggravated and it takes you three songs to warm up. And finally, by the third song, you're worshiping. And then you come down to the altar and someone prays for you. And you oh, I felt the hand of God. Thank you, God, for being in that service. You didn't realize there's a benefit you got 
because of this praying. But in reality, if you continue to live your life that way, you only get just some side benefits, just a little like a, like a splash of like the rainwater coming down in your life. When God is asking you, he's calling you specifically by your name and saying, I want to have that relationship with you. I want, I want to partner with you. I want to connect with you. And you know, this is something we've got to realize. I, there's a lot of ways to pray. I could talk for hours about prayer because there's so many things to say. But prayer for the greater extent is more about him and his kingdom than me and my needs or things I want. Yes, he's interested in my needs. Yes, it's okay to call on God. At any point, you can call on God in the day of trouble. The psalmist said, I called on God in, my, in the day of trouble. You can call on God anytime. But it, reality is, prayer is intended to be more about him and his kingdom than what I think I need or what I want. Because sometimes what I think I need, I don't even need. Anybody ever had a child? They said, I need this, I want this. And you say, you don't need this and you don't want this. If you get that, you'll be sad you got it. Yeah, we know that. We can see things as, a, as, a, as moms and dads of children. God's the same way. If I put my focus on myself in prayer, I'll be frustrated with prayer. Consistently. God, why aren't you doing the things I'm praying for? God, why I, can't, I keep praying, I'm not hearing you. God, I'm not connecting to you. I, they, they said prayer was important, and I'm praying... I am not feeling anything. I'm not feeling really anything special. I'm not feeling really excited. Matter of fact, this is early in the morning. The sun's not up yet. And here I am supposed to pray 10 minutes before I get up, get going on my day, and nothing's happening. That's putting the focus on me. Put the focus instead on him. And say, God, I want to be your partner in prayer. I want to pray things that you want to do, but are not going to happen if I don't pray them. What can I pray for you today, Lord? What can I speak prayer today? What can I pray for your kingdom? What can I pray for people? What can I pray for our body of believers and others that we're praying for across seas and people that live next to me? God, give me the spirit of discernment today so I can be sensitive to you who want to work through people. Help me to be your hands and your feet today. That's a powerful prayer. That's a prayer that cannot miss because it's on his terms and not mine. Come on, somebody. Just say, just clap your hands on the Lord right now. That's the spirit of the Lord that's in this house. That's the Holy Ghost that's in this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'd love to say that I, I know about prayer and have it all down. I don't. I constantly say to the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me. If, if the only thing you do in your time of prayer, if you spend an hour in prayer and all you do is take your wandering mind and bring it back to the Lord, if all you do is repeatedly say, Lord, I'm going to put my focus on you. I'm struggling. Help me, Lord. You have, you have done better with your time than anything else you can do in the earth. And, and it will change. It will grow like any discipline. It will grow. You may have a difficulty right now paying attention. And that is because of our world. We have a world that has shortened your attention spans. It's gone, it's gone from, you know, able to hear Abraham Lincoln speak for an hour down to we can't even, you know, have 10 seconds and we're done. You know that YouTube videos have to connect within like seven seconds or people will click them off. They're done. Because we just have so much. We, we have difficulty transforming that to the word of God in prayer. It's hard to focus on the Lord when you have no attention span. But you can rebuild it. You can rebuild it. You can. You simply say, Lord, I'm going to take my heart and my mind and spend time with you in prayer. I'll never forget an incident that happened in my life. I was in a rocking chair in my house, and I was living in Boston at the time, and I was praying and fasting about three days or so. And my dad called me and began to talk to me and began to tell me what the Lord told him about me and about what's happening in my life right now, and how God cares and God hears. Boy, I tell you what, I was just moved, shaken by that. It's just amazing things that happens in prayer. I remember in prayer, um, I was praying for this church. I wasn't actually praying for this church in particular. I just got up, and I went to go into the living room to pray, and I saw a lady from this church in a long uh, blue jean skirt, Sitting, laying on the, on the ground in my living room and crying. And I just like blinked my eyes to see where she was at and she wasn't there. And I thought, I don't know what that was. It just confused me. 
So I went, I didn't see her in church that next morning. So I called, uh, I talked to her husband. He said, I don't know, you'll have to call her. Just kind of like not really clear. I said, is anything wrong with her? I called her and she said, everything's fine. There's not, I don't know what that was, about. nothing going on in my life, nothing big. So I said, Lord, I did what I thought I'm supposed to do. I guess I'm, I'm not sure what I saw. She called me back in two days, crying on the phone, say, I didn't want to tell you because I was embarrassed, but I think our marriage is about over. We're about done. And uh, whatever you saw, that was the Lord, because I, I I'm, I'm, my life is hurting. I'm about, I'm about to lose my life. My marriage is about over. And the, through the Lord, through the church, through other godly men and women, and, and their counseling, their marriage was saved. That was the hand of God. God can do these things through us if we'll allow him. You don't have to be anything superhuman or, or great in your own estimate, estimation. All you have to do is be a willing vessel. Say, Lord, here I am. Help me to put my hands and my trust in your, your hands, and you'll do the work. God will do the work. I, I love that. I love seeing what God did through his men and women in the Word who struggled and had to ask God for help to start. That's the kind of God we have. Amen? Stand with you right now, would you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this very moment. I want you to address him. I want you to call in his name. I want you to be confident that he hears you. Almighty God, my Father, the lover of my soul, I pray right now. I'm asking you to speak to your people. Let your individual call come to us. Let it, Lord, not be a corporate call or a group thing, Lord, or something on, on this Wednesday night. Let it be our name spoken by you. Call us out in prayer right now, Lord, that we would respond to you and say, I want to be, Lord. I want to be a man, a woman of God in prayer. I will pray, Lord. You ask me to seek your face, Lord. I'm going to seek your face. I'm seeking your face right now, Lord, to hear your, hear your heart and pray your will and pray your kingdom. Pray what you want, Lord Jesus, and pray the work you want to do in my life and through my life. I believe you, Lord. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Say that again like you believe it in Jesus' name. Somebody give a praise to that name. I bless your name, Lord Jesus. I praise your name, Lord Jesus. I magnify your name and magnify it above all thy word. I magnify your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, now you get the chance right now. Now you get the chance, and I get the chance. Remember, here, here's the enemy of your soul. I promise you, distractions, forgetfulness, life, just things are going to happen. What will you do right now? Will you say, I am going to set aside a time in my life? If it's five minutes and you've never really prayed before, start there. If it's ten minutes, start there. I'm going to spend time with God in prayer. I'm going to grow in time with, time with God in prayer. I will make a decision. It's going to become a discipline, and it will work its way into delight in my life. Amen? Amen. I love you. I pray the, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ you with your spirit. I pray you have grace and mercy, and God protects you until we meet again. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.